all the girls say I'm pretty fly for a fly guy is what I would say if I just accidentally turned myself into a fly. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Evil Thread podcast. Uh, if you're tuning into us, we've decided to take a slightly different approach than we normally would, meaning due to the blizzard that's currently plaguing Long Island, Steve and I decided that it would be best to record remotely today. Um, apologies in advance if the sound quality isn't as up to par as it normally would be. Steve, I hope you're enjoying your snow day. How's uh, everything on your end? Uh, about as terrible as it is on yours. But I heard we got yeah. more snow in my area. Yeah, out east got uh, got pummeled from what I heard. Yeah. Is it, you, do you feel pummeled? A little bit, yeah. But I have a bit? snowblower, okay. so I'll, I'll be okay. That is pretty nice. Uh, I have, I've, uh, I don't, I have a shovel, so I will be shoveling with my upstairs neighbors. Hopefully once the snow stops. Sucks. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, man. If this is the only storm we get during the winter, it's fine. Yeah. It's I feel like we get like one a year. Honestly, I feel like last year we didn't get any, or if we did, it was like a couple inches and that was it. Right. And it's the end of, january so it makes it less of a big deal i feel as like, opposed to it being which, like which is halfway over is what i mean basically already yeah yeah as opposed to being like early november and you're just like fuck man like you know what's <laughs> yeah. in store exactly and I used like to, if it I happened used to, in early november it's horrible yeah and i used to care about snow like i i hated it when we didn't get any snow because i was big into snowboarding but like now living on long island which is completely flat there's not really any reason for snow other than, uh, than to just kind of piss you off. <laughs> Welcome to the club, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So uh, this is interesting. I'm just, uh, I feel like this is more personal than actually recording because I'm just staring at your face the entire time. And there's nowhere you can go. <laughs> I can't get look, away from To look it. at something else. Dude, that's why I hated... Uh, during the pandemic that everyone just wanted to zoom. Cause I was just like, it's uncomfortable for me. Like when am I ever sitting there, like staring at someone directly in their face for hours, you know, <laughs> dude, I know what you mean. I did that once with like acquaintances <laughs> that I didn't really know and a good friend of mine. And it was, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. So awkward. You know what I mean? We, like, yeah. It's so awkward. And like, you're trying to play like games and be all like happy and you're just like, I just want this to end. Yeah, pretty much. Man. <laughs> I lasted about 10 minutes. Did you? Wow, man. That's uh that's pretty surprising. I would have expected way less. I was like, oh, the dog is barking. I gotta oh, go. What a move. What a move. <laughs> yeah, even though it's the old infamous so dog is barking. I said yeah, my exactly. cat was barking. That's that's how I got away from it. Wow. They knew you were yeah. lying. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. You know I didn't even give a fuck either. <laughs> As you see. <laughs> No, nah, man. So, uh, Steve, in our uh, short little time away from each other, have you gotten any any chance to watch anything good or no? Not a damn thing. I'm right there with you. I'm right yeah. there with you. I mean, I this was finishing actually... up Dexter, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I watched. Uh, I watched Frozen, and that was uh, parts <laughs> of Frozen anyway. The parts where they're singing because Rowan likes likes that but uh yeah man this is this who doesn't right this is also a first for us this is our first time recording 
within a week of our previous podcast. It feels weird. Say the least. It does. Did it feel, I was going to say, does it feel rushed to you at all? A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You really got to put the pedal to the metal. I mean, you don't really have as much time to put off delaying the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like on Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, although I did push it off until, uh, late last night, but there were other circumstances that came up. Right. That I Um, had to delay it. (laughs) Yeah, bro. Like on Thursday, I was in full blown panic mode. Like, fuck, I gotta watch this movie, like, in case we actually do record on Saturday. I know, that was the thing. I was like, well, if I watch it too early and then we end up not recording now, then I'm gonna not forget the movie, but, like, it's nice to kind of watch it two to three days before we record, just so everything is kind of fresh on your mind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But, um, Uh, yeah, I mean... (sighs) I would probably just have to watch it again if we didn't get to record today. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. It's it's a yeah. Luckily, uh, with these movies as of late, they they've been pretty pretty short. This one is what like ninety to ninety five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So and it and it's uh I don't want to say it's an easy watch, but uh the the storyline is pretty straightforward. So it's yeah, easy to it get. It's quick, easy to get too. through. It does. It it happens happens very quick. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, yeah. What do you say? You wanna anything else you wanna contribute before we jump in? Uh yeah, not really, man. I don't have a whole lot to say, which is yeah. bad because we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well, no, nah, I'm just well, we'll I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, to, we... I'm ready to, you know, dive deep into it. Yeah. 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 All right, man. So uh, today we are reviewing 1986, uh, The Fly. Uh, This was released in August of 1986. And this movie tells the story of a scientist who, after developing and testing his teleportation device, accidentally merges bodies with a housefly that slips in during the process. What ensues is a genetic splicing of cells as the scientist's physical features become less human and more monster. This was directed and co-written by uh, our man, Mr. David Cronenberg. Uh, We've talked about him before on previous podcasts, and we reviewed one of his son's movies. Um, Have you seen a lot of his movies, Steve? Uh, David Cronenberg, you're asking about? Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, I've seen, if not all of them, almost all of them. Okay. I've I've seen a few. I haven't seen all of them. They're still... Uh, several I do need to see, but I've seen like Videodrome. I've seen obviously The Fly. Uh, I've seen, I actually saw both Vigo Mortensen movies, uh, A History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Yeah. Those yeah. are, those are good. Those ones are more like uh, crime movies. They're a little different than what Cronenberg, uh, we're used to seeing Cronenberg uh, make and direct. Yeah. Um, he was in that, I guess, experimental phase of his career. Yeah, and and still pulled it off. Like they're still very good movies, and I would definitely recommend them if you haven't seen either or both. Yeah, so you haven't seen uh, Scanners. I haven't seen Scanners. Uh, I have not seen uh, Existence, which you have recommended before, right? You've seen that. Uh yes. But how okay. about The Brood? Also, I have not. 
and I okay. haven't seen uh, the Dead Zone. So there's, I think he's got what, nineteen credited films as a director, uh, something like gotta that. Got to be ten. Got to be ten plus, I think. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty successful, and he's pretty on point with what he's trying to uh, direct. So yeah, man, I would say that to not see all of his movies, you'd be missing out, right? Absolutely. I would agree. At with least that. on at least on certain aspects, because uh, a lot of people would say he is one of, if not the originator of the body horror genre. Which is uh, essentially like the human body being manipulated in like gory and go- grotesque ways. Oh, uh, yeah, there's plenty of that, man. That's his uh, pretty much his trademark, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah, that that is, I would say he's also. um he also focuses a lot on like human transformation in more ways than one, like both in like the physical and uh, like non-physical sense. This one being more physical. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, and, there's and, definitely the non-physical too in this movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's something I, just, I never realized. What? That, that it's like the fly has both like physical and non-physical. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I just want to take a moment to kind of talk about Cronenberg and his unique way of storytelling. Uh, You know, as you can see from like many of the movies that he makes, he's very abstract and he often takes a literal approach through physical representation when he's trying to get his point across, which is why a lot of his movies rely heavily on like the body horror genre. and even though his movies may be hard to dissect, you can still appreciate him as a filmmaker because you know you're like in good hands and you know he's successful and uh, you know that the person at the wheel is a good driver. Whereas like there's some other directors that, you know, you know, going into could either be a bust or a success. But I feel like going into like Cronenberg, you hear his name and it's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> He's kind of, to me, like, he feels like the Scorsese of, like, horror. Like, you know, if he's putting out a Cronenberg film, like, there's going to be depth to it. Mm, and, that's totally you know, fair. And, and just because he has, like, a unique perspective on things, very unique, doesn't mean he's wrong. It's just different from the way that we would perceive things. No, that's totally fair, man. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. Like even going further with it, when you were saying like some people might be hit or miss, there's also people who are always miss. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a great point. You know that guy, yeah. uh, Uwe Bowl. Oh, no, I don't. What What did he make? Oh, dude, he made. If I'm not mistaken, he directed Blood Rain, which based off a video game, okay. and a bunch of other shit. I'm about to look him up right now, just to give you an idea of how bad. His name is Yui. Yui what? Yeah, Yui Ball, like B O O. I mean, I'm sorry, B O L L. Damn man, I would I would change my name if that was my name. Dude, he's done Far Cry, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, um, some movie called Rampage, and just like a bunch of other random shit. But you can safely assume that they're all bad. I've seen uh, Alone in the Dark. I have not seen Far Cry, but isn't that also based off a video game? Sure is. House of the Dead as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's always Alone in the Dark, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he was, I mean, I appreciate the effort, man, but. Yeah. Yeah. No. He's got a thing for, uh, he's got a thing for video games and that that's okay. Cause some people do, some people don't. He just, yeah. uh, he's just not very good at getting his point across. Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish Cornerberg was more into video games. What, uh, what video game would you want him to direct if he could? Ooh, that is hard to answer. Um, yeah. I don't really even, I can't even tell you, man. I just know he would be uh-huh. good at, at something. I feel like uh, definitely something horror-based, maybe like uh, Dead Space or something. Okay, so there's okay. Be a lot of like bodies getting torn up and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You could just make yeah. up any uh, any video game name and i would just be like okay yeah 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 i'm not i'm not well versed in that that realm well i'll even say uh i'll even say like doom even though the problem is is that he wouldn't be able to like get into his like transformative human like themes and stuff like that with movies like that because it's pretty pretty much senseless violence those movies you know what I'm saying? Oh, those yeah games. and good luck getting a better performance than dwayne johnson jesus christ oh god don't even bring that up right now. <laughs> the movie is a stain. I know, man. American I know. cinema. It had, it had, it had decent parts too. I remember seeing it when I was younger, like teenage uh, years, and I feel like it was decent. I probably would go back now and watch it and agree with you that it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, there's a newer one too, but I haven't seen it yet. It's like Doom Annihilation or some shit. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out, but I know it's not going to be good either, so I'm having a hard time pulling the trigger. Yeah, I know, man, I know. But I'm interested, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything with uh, with Doom, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, man. Uh, but, yeah, so, oh. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask, what you think of uh, the music and shit in this movie, man? That's what I was wanting to get to. It was good. The music was done by uh, Howard Shore, which I believe Cronenberg uses for all of his movies, right? He, st- he tends to stick with uh, the same production team. I believe so, yeah. I wouldn't okay. blame him. Consistency is key. Consistency is key, and he is. He's extremely consistent. Uh, I liked the music, man. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it uh, went well with... Uh, his approach, his approach that he was trying to take, because like I was saying before, like he's extremely unique and his movies often have more than one layer and they just need to be broken down. Um, if you look, <laughs> so I compared this, I compared this movie to a human body. If we use the analogy that the movie is a human body, then the outer layer or the flesh is the story of the scientist's work gone wrong. But if we dig deeper to the tendons, ligaments, bones, and organs, then this movie is really about the tragedy that befalls two people when one becomes deathly ill as the other is forced to witness the physical and psychological downfall. Um, So I thought that dialing back to the music, I thought that the music coupled well with the whole um, horror uh, 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 like idea that he was trying to get across, right? Like it had like, it was very... um, like emotional in a sense, right? Absolutely. Did it remind yeah. you of anything? Any other movies? Because I have two in mind. Let's hear them. Uh, Alien. Okay. And the thing. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard heavy hints of like that that kind of stuff. I mean, okay. it just sounded similar. Obviously, not saying that he was like biting off of either one. Um, 
because he could have, I guess, <laughs> or drawn inspiration from both of them. But uh, I don't know. There was just points in the movie where it just sounded to me like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? It could have been an influence. I guess it's possible. Those movies did yeah. come out earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, yeah. I know that he was trying to, you know, like, although this does seem like kind of like a creature feature, like I said, there's more layers to it. So it's not just that. Um, it's also a love story. Uh, and he may have pulled inspiration from both of those movies because you're right, they did come out previously. Uh, but also important to know here that this isn't an original screenplay either. And while it may be original in its special effects, uh, the fly itself is not an original, original screenplay and is actually, which I'm sure you know, is an adaptation of a 1956 short story by journalist George Langelon. That's how you pronounce his name. And that short story was originally in the June 1957 issue of Playboy magazine. Okay. So we, uh, we essentially have Playboy to thank for this movie. <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Wait, but so the do you know when the black and white movie came out offhand? Yes, a year later. Uh the black and white later. movie. I thought it was so much earlier. Like uh like how early? Like you were thinking like yeah, oh, it came like, out I, in... like when you said 56, I thought that would have been the year for the black and white movie. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think that yeah, the movie only came out a year. Oh, you thought the story came out a lot earlier. Yes. Gotcha. Like, okay. In movie form. Okay, so Barb actually, and maybe maybe this is why you're thinking of it. Barb had asked me when I told her about the movie we were reviewing today. Um, she asked if this movie was influenced at all by the novel The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. Franz Kafka. Yeah. Um, uh, he, she said you probably would have read it. I did. Yeah. Have, did you? Okay. Okay. So maybe maybe that's why you're associating it with like an earlier timeline. Because uh, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely some similarities if you break two stories down into like their most basic concepts. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, the metamorphosis, metamorphosis, from what I can remember, doesn't delve into like science and all that stuff. But no, no, know, but it's definitely still in terms of transformative like uh, behavior and whatnot. It definitely could uh, could have given some influence to this movie. Yeah, for sure. And I think like the ending of both the characters is the same too. Uh, just yeah. from the very, very short synopsis that I read about the book. <laughs> I've, I have not read the book, but it does sound You could have read it. It's pretty short. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. Like you could have spent the same amount of time reading the book as you did the synopsis. <laughs> All right, it's good to know. Maybe I'll go back and check it out. Yeah, it's, it's worth the read, man, I would say. Yeah, okay. And um, so, yeah, while this isn't an original screenplay, there were some differences between the short story and the 1986 movie. Um, I think the most important one and the most effective one for this movie was that rather than an instantaneous change, like Cronenberg decided that the character should gradually transform into the creature. And uh, by doing this, you create a sort of empathy for him. Um, and Cronenberg did this by breaking down the character's transformation into seven different stages. And, uh, these stages in an interview he's done, like he said that uh, the point of this movie was to, 
uh, talk about disease and the aging process. And that, uh, you know, when it happens, it's not always pretty. <laughs> Oftentimes it's not. And he's not one to shy away from that. So he yeah. wanted to bring it to people's attention. And it's like, like you might see someone on the street with some sort of like deformity or like uh, disease and like you, yeah, you see him and then you can quickly him or her and you can quickly forget about it, but they don't forget about it when they go home. Like they go home, they dwell on it. They think about it. Like they're always questioning oh. themselves. And it's uh, I think it was important that Cronenberg allowed us to see from that perspective. Absolutely, dude. And uh, he definitely, utilizes uh veronica's character to show just that uh when she's not near uh seth you know absolutely yeah absolutely do, man do you uh are you talking about like what you just said do you think that alcoholism and drug abuse are at all connected to this movie in any way yep yeah absolutely man i was gonna actually say that because there's parts in the movie where like um, without giving like anything away, he seems very charismatic, uh, tons of stamina. He's very energetic. And then like, as the movie proceeds, that whole, uh, that whole thing changed, like the whole idea changes and like, he's no longer that, but like a, a lesser version of himself. Yep. All right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, because, I mean, do you get the impression, too? I was, I was going to ask you. Um, do you get the impression that Veronica is his first uh, real girlfriend? It's possible. I mean, it's, it's very possible. I feel um, like, what yes. do you, Yeah? It, why, yeah. Um, what makes why you I think that? that? Uh, all right, because, like, if you look at it, here he is, he's chatting up this girl and she says, oh, it's very obvious in not so many words. She says, it's very obvious that you don't get out much or whatever. And then, and, you know, he's casual, he's drinking and stuff, he's having a good time, whatever. But then as soon as they start getting intimate is around the same time when everything goes haywire. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's like almost like it's saying like he uh, took the leap to be with this woman and immediately got burned you know what i'm saying like and it was like teaching him like romance and relationships are fucking really difficult you know what i'm saying like even though that wouldn't happen to somebody normally you wouldn't get spliced with a fly yeah but that that's right now now that you say that like because the mistake he makes happens when he's acting on impulse from a confrontation he has with uh gina davis's character while he's drinking while he's drinking right and you know he's been doing this for years and years and he's always been very calculated and this one was more like uh kind of like whatever i'm just gonna give it a shot right yeah yeah that's that's it's definitely possible for once he kind of uh he like loosened up on his his work and was focusing more on that relationship and that was uh that was his downfall man absolutely and um also to relate to the opening scene again, uh, you know, that's when they're discussing, like they're at a conference for scientists or whatever. And he's uh, very closeted all like, Oh, uh, you know, we can't really talk about it here because people are eavesdropping and stuff like that. 
And the entire opening scene is him trying to convince her almost like desperately to come back to the apartment to show her to, to the lab, excuse me, to show her the uh, experiment he's got going on. It just speaks yeah. to his character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you're like, and you're wondering, like, is he doing that because he has feelings for her, which it seems like he does, but it seems like he's even just more, he's more excited to show her like what he's been working on more than right. anything. Um, just before we start like getting like fully into the whole plot, I just want to give some credit to the uh, makeup effects. Oh, and this was, uh, was by a guy named Chris Wallace. And uh, he is most notable for special effects on this movie. He is known for the creation of the Gremlins. And he also helps to create the iconic uh, face melting scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, which, wow. Which I always remember because it like, it's very graphic and it comes out of nowhere. Like you're not expecting that scene to happen. It feels like a very like PG movie. And then that happens. <laughs> it hits, man. That, that scene hits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, in this movie, Wallace stated that he pretty much used every technique for his special effects except the bladder effect because it had been used too many times, uh, specifically in American Werewolf in London and The Thing. So the bladder effect, um, just for a little uh, definition, is accomplished by placing plastic or latex balloons under skin prosthetics which gives the appearance of skin shifting, bubbling, and pulsating. Um, so it's kind of cool that he took a different approach than what was normally used. Absolutely. I'm glad you explained what that was because I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I figured. I didn't know what it was before I looked it up. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting how hearing about like a lot of the stuff that was used to make these like very practical effects. Cause a lot of the times they're simple household items, but they're just used in such like creative ways. Like, um, I guess I could talk about it now. It's not, I mean, we people kind of know the, the premise of the movie. Um, can I go? Can I go? Yeah, I think so, man. I think you good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Seth's eyeballs are melting and they used, condoms ky jelly and pieces of shredded rubber to accomplish that effect wow so it's just crazy and then i think um the vomit that was used uh the the fly vomit that was used was made of milk honey and eggs <laughs> okay that's not <laughs> you can as disgusting see that. as i thought it would be no it's not it definitely looks way worse <laughs> um but just a side note, uh, I think Chris Wallace's success on this movie is what led him to direct The Fly 2, which was released in 1989. Um, seen that? I have not seen that movie, but I uh, heard that it was just as gory as the first one. Just as gory. Just as gory, but not as good. Did you see it or no? I did, yeah. You did? Okay. Right. It's like... Yeah, it's just not. I got to watch the first one. You know how it is, man. Um, yeah, there's no, kinda. there's no movie that's gonna compare usually. Yeah. Okay. That um, they could possibly make. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, dude. There's so much trivia on this movie. I was like, how do I like? 
I just kind of went through, I could have read trivia. I could have spent an hour and a half just reading trivia about this movie. Um, so I just took a couple key ones I thought were important or just interesting. Uh, but this movie won an award, an Academy Award for Best Practical Effects Makeup and was actually the only Oscar won by a film directed by Cronenberg. But it wasn't the only one nominated. So it's, I think A History of Violence had two nominations, Best Screenplay and uh, Best Supporting Actor by William Hurt. Um, but aside from like the Oscar win that this film uh, received, it's also received tons of praise from both critics and general audience. And I've seen it on a couple like top lists of all time, not just even horror movies, but uh, it made Time's top 100 films of all time, which is pretty crazy, man. That's totally fair. Yeah, I mean, it's up there with like movies like Raging Bull and uh, Goodfellas and all that stuff. So yeah, I pretty, mean- Pretty uh, crazy, pretty cool accolade. Absolutely. There's something to be said about, you know, the late seventies, early to mid eighties and like uh, practical effects and stuff. Cause you think about all the movies that were coming out, alien, the thing, the fly, uh, American world from London, aliens, the same year as this one or whatever. And it's just, I don't know. That's like some golden age shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true, man. Uh, one of the, the, the trivia notes that I took was that this, a movie, this movie was eventually played as a double creature feature with Aliens, which was released just a couple months prior. Uh, How yeah. sweet would that have been to see both of these back to back? That would be amazing, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, I guess you could couple- still do that at your house. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, actually. But, like, I want to see it on the big screen. <laughs> the big screen. Wanna, yeah, of course. For the first time. Absolutely, dude. Um, Wait. Did you get any trip? Yeah. 1986, 96, 2016, mm-hmm. 2026, bro. It's the 40th anniversary. Dude. I'll probably be showing it in theaters. I mean, that's like a couple of years from now, but you know. Let's do it, man. Never too early to start planning, right? Yeah. Are we talking about like both the flying aliens or just one or the other? I guess both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, we'll assuming, they'll, I'm assuming they'll probably play aliens because we saw alien for the 40th. I'm guessing so, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, my bad. What was the next uh, trivia thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there were several scenes cut from this movie. Uh, in particular, there was one scene where Goldblum's character sends a baboon and a cat through the telepods and then proceeds to beat it to death with a pipe. <laughs> oh, and, shit. Uh, I think it was, it was in the original release, but due to uh, 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 like reception from the audience and some critics they decided to take it out and that was probably for the best because i think what they said is it took away from uh the empathy that you had towards goldblum's character which mm. makes sense that's a massive uh, massive thing in this movie yes yeah absolutely that's like the entire movie right like at least yeah. half of it at least half of it um a lot of people were also offered the role of seth brundle uh mel gibson james woods Michael Keaton was originally offered the role, uh, which is interesting because this was uh, the fly was originally in a, a project for Tim Burton, uh, which he obviously passes on, ends up directing Beetlejuice just two years later. And that stars Michael Keenan, uh, Keenan, <laughs> Michael Keaton and Gina Davis. 
So, oh, that's uh, right. That's yeah, funny. just okay. a little, a small little connection there, which Damn, is that's interesting. interesting. I'm really glad I wasn't Mel Gibson. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how that would have worked out. Like, I could have seen Woods or Keaton. Woods, I could have seen, especially because he's been in Cronenberg's other movies before, right? What was that? Exactly. Uh... Videodrome. Yeah. He was Videodrome, in. exactly. So. Yeah, and, uh, and Keaton could pretty much play any, he could play a fucking piece of celery, I feel like. Yeah, he played Beetlejuice two years later, which is like a very similar kind of, uh, not really concept, but uh, yeah, he just, he can pull it off. He can pull anything off, so. Right, right, right. Um. I didn't know this, but the, the famous line, uh, be afraid, be very afraid, came from this movie. Uh, did it really? Yeah, it did. Gina Davis. Oh, wow. I would have never guessed, bro. Is I, that thought a, it, I thought it was something they just borrowed from something else. No, right? Isn't that? That's interesting. It is. It sounded too corny to be from 1986. I know, man. I know. <laughs> I know. But it fits. It fits. Yeah. No, it does. Um. This is a relatively short cast, a uh, very small cast. It's pretty much three people, four if you count uh, Tawny from the bar. Five if you count the, oh, the uh, girl. The guy- yeah. Yeah. Five if you count the guy whose uh, wrist was broken. Oh. Uh, but you have, you have Jeff Goldblum as, Goldblum as Seth Brundle, Gina Davis as Veronica or Ronnie, and uh, John Getz, who plays Stathis Borens. Oh, oh and God. then we. And uh, we also have David Cronenberg, who plays uh, the gynecologist in this movie. That's him? That's him. Which uh, apparently... Yeah, yeah. Which apparently he only gave himself a cameo when he met Martin Scorsese. And Scorsese told him he looked like a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. So I don't know how true that is, but uh, (laughs) I'm going with it because it sounds interesting. That's so fun. I didn't recognize him, man. Dude, not until I not until I went and read that and then watched it again. Like, oh, okay, makes sense. He doesn't <laughs> say anything. He doesn't say anything. He just, you know, yeah, operates. Yeah. That's some shit. Um, yeah, yeah, all all interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, diving into like that opening scene, then I uh, I think it's a great opening scene because uh, it, it it immediately throws you into the conversation and it doesn't like it doesn't like start off the conversation. Like you're thrown into it mid conversation. Like he's already talking to her. Um, it's just a mug shot of like Jeff Goldblum's face. And uh, it's cool. Cause they waste no time. It's like, you're uh, essentially a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah. You can say that, man. You can say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You're pretty much like in the thick of uh, Seth Brundle's life from the moment they decide the movie starts. Like, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. working on this incredibly important project and I'm going to show this girl and you're going to watch the whole thing pretty much. Right. Right. You know exactly. What I mean? It like it opens up almost like a like like a love story, not really a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like much. it's very it's very interesting. Yeah. Because then um, you're right. He's he's describing to uh, Ronnie Veronica that he is inventing something that's going to change the world. And uh you think at first it's like a pickup line, but you realize it's just uh, just him excited and wants to show off what he's been working on for the past, I guess, several years or however long it's been. Yeah, it's going to change the world, all right. It's going to, yeah, definitely, definitely changes his <laughs> world. That's for sure. It makes me scared but, uh, to think of where uh, technology might be in 40 years, man. Yeah, man. I know. It's terrifying. 
I mean, we already have the the metaverse to look forward to. Uh, if that wait, comes man. to fruition, I'm sure you can't wait. You're gonna be squeeze some uh, catch up on a on a metaverse hot dog, dude. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, man! Everyone else can be in there just uh, dying. I'll be out fucking. I don't know, enjoying the sun. Yeah, yeah, you do that, Grandpa. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they um they get back to the lab, and he the first thing he does is serenades her with a uh, song on the piano, and uh, the title of this song because I had my sub subtitles on is uh called love is a many splendid thing huh. so it's just kind of like another little like romantic uh i don't know thing that cronenberg throws in there like he could have yeah. been playing anything he could have been playing like beethoven or something but he decides to play something with that title <laughs> right right because it's not obvious but, that he's interested in veronica or anything <laughs> no not at all clearly not <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he, yeah, so he like, yeah, he proceeds to show her, which Verona keeps referring to him to his telepods as designer phone booths. And uh, clearly Ronnie's, she's got something for him because when he asks for something valuable, she gives him a stocking that she's wearing. So like that always tends to have some sort of sexual tendency tied to it. Oh, she could have easily given him, I don't know, her purse. Yeah, anything, anything like anything. A, a hairband or something like that, or dude. But instead, uh, I yeah. Mean, uh, I mean, it just goes back to the idea of like the flesh or whatever, like exposing it. That's like right. from the jump, from the minute they're like talking to each other. That's the first thing that's introduced into a relationship, even before they even touch each other. It's about right. the flesh. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. Right, man. Right. Um. So the stalking, the teleportation is successful and Veronica's left speechless and she begins recording it. But Seth doesn't want that recorded because he's not ready to unveil uh, his invention just quite yet. Which is fair because his company, Bartok Industries, doesn't even know what he's building. Um, And the telepods also aren't complete, which we find out in a uh, later lunch date um, why they aren't complete. Uh... But also during this time, like they're not re- like although they do have feelings for the, each other, they're both more concerned with their work. Seth with finishing his teleportation device, and Ronnie with getting the uh, the article published in her magazine, which she uh, she brings to uh, Stathis, and uh, that's kind of the oh. end the end of the opening scene there. But Don't you know, get once me started it, right now. I know, I know. Don't but like. One- <laughs> <laughs> but like you know once again what like what we get here is like this very innocent interaction between two characters that just feels so organic and uh, i love it because seth's character he's charming but he's also awkward kind of what you were saying uh earlier and yeah the same the same is true with ronnie like they it both see they both seem to care for each other in some way but just not completely uh into them quite enough right well i think it has <laughs> to, like to do with uh, yeah no for sure i think it has to do also with the separation of like professionalism and personal because like the minute they resolve to uh have her follow him as he's finishing up the project 
like I think a few scenes later, she's making a move on them because they don't have to worry about their work anymore. Yes, you know yeah, saying? it does. It, That's yeah, when it was yeah. okay. Yeah, it happens very quick, right? So the tension was always there. Yeah, they just had to separate the two first. Yeah, exactly, man. But I think also there's something to be said about like um what's the word like i like a warning sign i can't think of another name for it but um throughout his like showing veronica and talking to her about it of uh, the project and everything there's like he's literally telling her i can't tell you what happened to the previous test subjects while we're eating like you should really be like realizing you shouldn't go in there <laughs> like you can't do that you know what i'm saying yeah like when he, yeah when he gets drunk later i mean oh yeah i know right exactly like he i mean i guess he was successful with transporting the baboon and he probably also felt bad that you know the first one kind of yeah kind of met its demise oh um, yeah sorry about your brother yeah and doesn't he make a comment like uh something about like i i there's nothing I wouldn't do to you that I wouldn't do to myself. And that kind of like yep. gives him the uh, motivation to step inside. Yeah. Stathis definitely didn't help either. Yeah. Stathis didn't help. Um, but this is dude, these, uh, the characters in this movie, it's extremely interesting how Cronenberg, you know, wrote them in because you see this like very unique reversal of roles. Uh, between specifically between Stathis and uh, Seth Brundle, right? Like you find out, we find out actually pretty early on in the movie that Stathis, who is also Ronnie's um, boss, had a previous relationship with her, and he's still kind of salty about uh, the breakup. He's not completely over it. That's an understatement. Uh, so, so yeah, but so what we get. <laughs> Um, in the very beginning, or like pretty early on in Stathis's introduction into the film, is a jealous, pompous, like asshole. Um, he's stalking her. He degrades her as a woman, and uh, this continues throughout the movie. Um, at the same time that Seth's character is changing from this uh, charming character into like more manic and rude towards Ronnie. Um, and, and eventually what happens is we get this reversal of roles where the protagonist becomes the antagonist and uh, vice versa, or one, the hero becomes the villain, the villain becomes the hero type thing. Yeah. Did you think Cronenberg uh, was successful in pulling that off? Like, did you, did you feel like by the end of this movie, Stathis had redeemed himself? Uh, yes. I mean, it- I think it becomes clear at a certain point that Stathis, his motivation is no longer driven by his uh, jealousy of Seth and more it's to protect Veronica because he's worried yeah. about her, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I probably feel like. You're right, you're right. He probably didn't think of uh, Seth as really a threat either more, uh, either yeah. anymore, either, um, just due to his whole... Well, how like, could he be, yeah. Right, right, due to his whole physical transformation. But like... Even when, even when Stathis finds out that uh, Ronnie is pregnant, like he's very comforting. He's very supportive. He's not like, let's go get this abortion immediately. Like he wants her to sit and think about it and make sure it's the right decision for her. 
Um, so yeah, it is, it is like a big uh, reversal of roles. And yeah, I agree with that. I feel like, I mean, I feel like Cronenberg did a good job at, at uh, accomplishing that. No, he um, did. It's, he it did. was, yeah. And it was very unique. It's not something you normally see in, in movies. I'm trying to think if there's like another movie that, that does this well. I can't think of any. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I thought you were frozen there for a second. Like just, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's funny because nobody's going to know what you just did. And no one's going to. I know. I know. I'm going to keep it uh, age appropriate here, right? Age appropriate. What What age is that? Six. I'm, I was, I'm pretty sure I learned like how to flip someone off. And I was like, yeah, probably like nine or something. Or at least knew what it meant. I mean, everybody learns before their 10th birthday. That's yeah, you're right. It's a rite of passage. Like you go over to like your friend's house, you play like a manhunt game, and then uh, you sit there and just flip each other off. <laughs> Bro, uh, also, I was thinking about the alcoholism thing. Like after he does it without Veronica, she's like obviously immediately concerned, and he's just, like he rationalizes his behavior by saying, "I was drunk and upset." Mm-hmm. And then later going on to say about the actual teleporting, like, it's like a drug. He refers to it as, like, a drug. It's like, true, he's man. rationalizing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's often what uh, people with drug issues tend to do, right? Um, uh, yeah, I've definitely seen it firsthand. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it firsthand, but uh, I've seen enough. Uh, I've seen 8 Mile. I know. I know <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> I've seen eight miles, so I know. That's really funny, actually. But, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, man, that, um, yeah, that all, it all makes sense, too. Um, and it does follow that, that idea, like, like I was alluding to earlier, that people with these issues or drug issues, often they start off energetic enlightened and powerful, but soon like the addiction part takes over and all the negative side effects of consistent drug use become more uh, like noticeable present. Yeah. I mean, I think it also affects like his trust of other people and uh, he's just generally obsessed with like chasing his newfound uh, physical prowess. Like he's obsessed with like, Oh, everybody needs to do it. And I think when uh, Veronica declines the opportunity to go in, uh, that's when, like, the schism between them, like, really fucking starts to take shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You want to talk about that a little Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Oh, my bad. I don't know if you have something you want to say. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and for him to assume that finding someone else is going to be any different that they're going to want to do that. And the first place he goes to look is a bar where there's alcohol. Like, oh, other people's inhibitions are going to be lowered enough where they'll consider doing this insanely psychotic thing that I want them to do because I know it's crazy. He knows it's crazy deep down, but he doesn't care because he's addicted to like the high, man, you know? It's a good point, man. And he goes for like the most vulnerable person in the room. Poor old She's like the only woman there, I feel like. Right? Was she the only woman there? She might have been. Was he was she dating that guy? Like, is she just I think so. Cause he like so. says, don't 
don't worry, Tawny. Like, I'll be fine. This is easy work. And then his arm oh. breaks, and like Tawny just like gets up and walks out the door. Like the, re- the relationship. Guy, yeah, yeah. I almost feel bad for him, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. He didn't know it was coming to him. But yeah, I don't know. But you could tell too when uh when Seth goes in the bar, he's like looking down on everybody in that building in that bar. Because, like, while they're engaging and, like, chasing the high, they're going about it all wrong because they're not as smart as he is. You know what I'm saying? They're just sitting there drinking, waiting for something to happen, and he's actually out there putting in the work in his eyes. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Like, they're just saying. a bunch of drunks to him. Gotcha. Yeah, that does, even though he's doing the same thing that everyone else is doing in there. He still exactly. doesn't hold himself. He holds himself to a higher level. Right. Well, metaphorically, okay. at least he's doing metaphorically. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Yeah, a little, but, little different. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, a little bit. But he ends up going through again after that. Uh, I think while while he's with the girl, uh, the new girl. What's her name? Tawny. Tawny. Yeah, he ends up going through again. Furthermore, to chase the high. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Kind of show her, like, oh, you can have this too. Give it a shot. You know? Yeah, yeah. If you leave your guy that I just broke uh, his arm, <laughs> you can have this too. But then, like, criticizes them when they refuse to do it. It makes them feel bad about it. So, yeah, he uh, he called Veronica a fucking drag. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Your yeah, fucking that's right. Drag. Calls her a drag. Damn. But, like, even before all that happens, like, when they're at the 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 restaurant having like a lunch date, like eating their cheeseburgers and stuff like that. Um, Seth explains to her like what happens or like why his um, telepod isn't, isn't ready to be released into society. And it's because it doesn't have the ability to transport animate objects, only uh, inanimate objects. And the revelation of what like could be wrong or, or like why it's, why the computer isn't reading it uh, the way it should be uh, is revealed to him when Veronica makes a comment about uh, it was just something about, like grandma's pinching baby's cheeks. Oh yeah, not like, and that like trans that like sparks an idea from Brundle and he takes a raw steak, he cooks it, and has Ronnie taste it. And uh, Brundle's idea is that the computer is translating what it thinks a steak should be rather than reproducing it. And something is getting lost in that translation, AKA the yeah. flesh. Um, and Seth concludes that he needs to teach the computer how to uh, translate the flesh. And uh, I feel like, like Cronenberg, man, he always makes a comment about like technology. Um, there's always like this comparison between like technology and like, like the human mind or whatever like that and just that like technology isn't i don't know there's always flaws i don't know there's like there's always flaws like a computer is a computer like it it can only do what it's told to do like yeah he literally necess- said computers are stupid yeah yeah exactly yeah and like i don't know it's cool because like Cronenberg always brings in this high tech uh like equipment into his movies and stuff like that and he's like uh but then he counteracts that by by making those comments that like yeah technology is still stupid like it's not a human it can only do what it's told to do 
Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, you know, I was thinking too, remember I talked about the parallels in terms of music between Alien and The Thing? Yeah. Uh, there's also the parallel where all three central characters in each of those movies talk to a computer at one point or another. That's a good okay. point. And I, yo, and I... Or, I'm sorry. I, not The Thing. It's not Kurt Russell's character. It's the other guy, the doctor that talks to the computer. Wilson Brimley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, that's true. Like you still have that very, um, and I love the way that the computer responds. Um, Because there's that, there's a scene in this movie. uh, What was it? I'm trying to uh, find it just so I can kind of uh, quote it. But it's when Brundle is analyzing uh, like the genes during his transportation or teleportation. And he's typing, like, he finally, like, we get this, like, image of, like, a fly. Like, he finds out that a fly went in there with him during the, uh, the teleportation. And he's typing, and he's like, if secondary elements, element is a fly, what happened to fly? And the computer just responds, fusion. So, Brundle <laughs> replies, assimilation, question mark. Did Brundle absorb fly, question mark? And uh, the computer responds, no, fusion at a molecular level. And Ooh. I just, dude, it's just like, it hits hard because it's, the computer's just direct. It lacks any emotion and it's coming from a computer like, oh, you know, there's no, there's no chance. Like there's no chance for, for Seth. And it, this like reminded me of when a person goes to like a doctor and the doctor yeah. like comes out with the results and he's like, you have stage four brain cancer. Like that, that was essentially no emotion. Like it's essentially like his death sentence and there's not really anything he can do about it. That sounds about right, man. Sounds about right. That computer is a doctor. It has a PhD actually. (laughs) It's got a PhD. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. At at this point too, uh, I was thinking too, man, Sathis has still yet to make his transformation. He does it like really late in the movie because when Veronica expresses her concerns, I think it's after she speaks to him, speaks to Seth on the phone. Um, she goes to see him and he looks absolutely horrible using crutches and shit. Yeah, and man. he's like getting ready to eat and stuff like that. So he's barfing on the donut and shit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he explains he's really scared. And when she explains these uh, concerns to Sathis, he says, do I have permission to claim your body when this is all over? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, still like, on, saying, like, oh, we're still going to fuck or whatever. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. You know once again, so, like, like yeah, that's what he's like, worried about right now. Yeah. And it's continually hate to, to get him scared. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just constantly degrading her the entire time. He even makes a comment too about like, uh, what was it? He was like, can we just, can it just be sex for like, uh, like pleasure? Like doesn't have to oh, like doesn't have to be God. like a romantic level, just just fun sex or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, he still hasn't reached his uh, redemption point, and that doesn't come later until like we see, uh, or until the point where Seth almost has his complete transformation, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. Even while like Seth is going through all of this, like, and he's uh, transforming, like. Uh, the like the discussion and stuff between Ronnie and Seth, like there's, it's still so 
eloquently spoken and and like sounds like a man in desperation like you're still like like ronnie still goes to see him even though he's looking deformed like she still cries for him like still like wants and wishes the best for him and uh you know seth tries to make the best of the situation that's going on and that's all often the thing that people dealing with terminal illness try to do and i feel like he went through like the stages of of that like denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance like you see him kind of go through all five of the stages um and once again that's like that's a form of emotional coping absolutely um i gotta say man (laughs) one of my favorite things about this movie is how Cronenberg made sure to keep Seth's character like humorous the entire time. Like even when she's like, he's about to tell her like, you have to leave and never come back. When he's like really like at the final stage kind of almost. He's like, yeah, it's the Seth Brundle Museum of Natural History. Do you want to see it? Oh yeah, he's got like a, he's got like an ear in there. He's got a, oh, some man. teeth. Man, uh, he looks yeah. horrible. He looks horrible and he's still joking awful still try yeah right right i think that's more so like funny. uh i think he was at his uh either denial or acceptance <laughs> i think stage. acceptance i think acceptance. i think it's yeah i think acceptance too he was trying to I mean, say like he, oh maybe oh sorry like maybe this was for the best because like he was although he was physically like deformed he was still gaining new abilities like the ability to like walk on the wall and all that crap and, yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think that also serves the comedic element also serves to like, because this movie it, really like at the end of the day, it's a sad movie, man. It's sad. It's yeah, it's yeah, man. You're right. Like the, the comedic element adds some like levity into it. And it, help, um, it helps like kind of lessen the blow a little bit. Yeah, but you're, you're right, man. It is. It's such like a it's a hard hitting movie. And like if there weren't horror elements to this movie, this would be a fucking, just a, a drag. It would just be a, like a very depressing drama. Yeah. We'd be watching somebody die of cancer pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Exactly. That's pretty much what we'd be watching, which I wouldn't yeah. want to watch. <laughs> no, but on, on the reverse end of that, if it, this was just a horror movie, it would just be another typical creature feature. Right. So That's what, what makes yeah. it so unique, man? It like skirts the line. Yeah. Yeah. It is such like a very, fine blend between the two uh genres i guess drama and horror yeah absolutely what else you got for me man (laughs) let's see let's see let's see let's see i mean clearly there's also a love triangle between uh the three two throughout this movie which we've i feel like we've kind of already touched base on um I wanted to talk just a little bit about like the bathroom scene uh, where Seth kind of comes to the realization that something is severely wrong. And, uh, you know, this is where his physical symptoms are starting to show his fingernails are peeling off. Like the, he's like squirting pus uh. against the, the mirror. And, uh, he finally asks himself, like, while looking in the mirror, what's happening to me? Am I dying? And I believe that Cronenberg decided to shoot this scene in the bathroom because 
people like often realize that something is wrong with them when they're in the bathroom, when they're like kind of analyzing their bodies and they see yeah. like, whether it's like a, like a mole that looks weird or like a, something that looks like, like a pimple isn't like a pimple. It's got like some weird blemish on it or something like that. Right. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was, it was interesting to like add that into or like add that setting where Seth finally like realizes that. Cause I, that's kind of where most people tend to see those things. Yeah. That's right? uh, he's still kind of in the anger phase. I think too, if I'm not mistaken, he uh, throws the razor that he's using to shave, throws it into the bathtub, like mad aggressive before, right before he pulls off his fingernail. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause his right, little, right. Uh, his little uh, hair fly fly hair. Yeah. Will. He, he almost right. knows it before he goes in the bathroom that something is wrong i feel like like when he's on his way to the bathroom yeah. he's like fuck okay like i'm about to find out like something's really wrong yeah yeah i i, I think i think you're right man um you know like this like this movie like itself the storyline isn't that complex like all of the credit goes to the characters and their acting and that's what makes Cronenberg so uh, unique is because he, like, from what I read, he doesn't really storyboard, meaning that he doesn't go in to the movie with a uh, direct idea. Like, he has, like, a concept that he wants to follow, but he tends to give the actors and the production company more uh, free reign than, like, most directors would give. Which is interesting because, yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, stated a quote before that in order to be a, um, a good director, you don't want to dictate, but uh, God damn it, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even find it. I wrote it down. I wanted to, because I quoted it because it actually is a, it is a it is a good quote, but he says that the vision of the director is to guide the film, not dictate it, which is why Chris Wallace was given free reign to create the, pra the practical effects, and they worked mm. so well. And there's also a couple scenes, uh, I believe, where Jeff Goldblum had the ability to kind of improvise. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, which works out uh, very well for both. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the movie and the characters acting in the movie. I apologize. <laughs> That's all okay, man. I, uh, That's funny. I don't even know if anybody else can hear. I guess they probably can. I think she woke up from her nap. A little cranky. Uh, hey, I don't blame her, man. That's how I woke up this morning. Dude, yeah, I can't blame her, man. I want to cry every day I wake up and have to go to work. Yo, speaking of practical effects, man. Mm -hmm. The scene where he's like walking toward Veronica and the shit just is like falling off, or oh, he's like grabbing her. It's like oh. incre it's incredible. It's incredible. Amazing. Like, are you saying when like the jaw falls off, like right before? Yeah, yeah. When she, oh, she grabs it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, insane, insane. man. Like, insane. like you could only match that or compare it with like Rob Botton's work on the thing. Pretty right, much, like yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like another practical effect that was done as well as that. I mean, in terms of bodies being ripped apart, nothing. No, no, right. In terms of practical effects in general, yes, but not with bodies sure. being torn apart. You know. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. 
Right. I mean, it's hard to get better than uh, the thing in this, I feel like, in terms of practical Absol- effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, Enjoy it while you can, bro, because there will never be movies like this again, ever. <sighs> it's, it's unfortunate. Well, yeah. I mean, know, there will there, be here and there. There are. There's a couple movies that really wanted to focus on practical effects. Um, I'm pretty sure we've both seen this movie, The Void, which came out a couple of years ago. But that's, uh, I believe, all practical effects. I think they wanted to make a, a point to to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a good example, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of any others, though, off the top of my head. <laughs> no, I can't. I think we're very limited in, uh, <laughs> in movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we need to talk about when Ronnie finds out that she's pregnant with Seth's baby. Yeah. Um, and this is really it. where we, well, this is really like where we start to see like that whole reversal of roles. Cause it doesn't happen until really towards like the end of the movie when Seth is almost like completely changed and talking about insect politics. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she has that nightmare where it's like a larva that gets pulled out of her. Oh, that was gross disgusting. as fuck. Oh, gross. Disgusting. Man. Hey, yeah. Ugh. Um, uh, but she obviously has the baby. Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. haven't seen the second movie, right? I haven't seen the second movie. So okay, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe it focuses on his son. The son, you're right. Okay, or the third movie. I'm not sure which one, but she has. I think the you're baby right. Eventually. Yeah, I think it's the second movie. I think you're right. Right, but um, you don't know okay. that watching this movie. You know? No, you. So don't, I just spoiled the fly too for everybody. That's great. Thanks, man. Pretty much. No problem, man. That's what I'm here That's for. Our... <laughs> we talked about it. It sucks, so just watch it for the uh the practical effects. Yeah. Um But yeah, what did you think of like this whole kind of like last quarter of the movie? Last where... segment? Yeah, where Ronnie's uh Ronnie does actually go in to get the abortion and Seth kind of leaps in through the the window and abducts her, and then all of a sudden now he's he's the villain, she's the damsel in distress, and Stathis is our man who needs to save her. Fucking hero, man. Our hero. He's right a perverted there. hero. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but what did you think? Like, was that did you in, enjoy that last segment? Oh, fuck yeah, man. Like uh I I will say my only criticism of Veronica is that. When Stasis was in the apartment after he followed him there, or in the lab, rather, um, she could have tried to stop Seth from hurting Stathis a little sooner. She kind of waited until, like... Like, uh, his hand yeah. is burned off, and she's like, wait, don't hurt him. Yeah, or, yeah, he kind of, he lost an arm and leg in the process. Oh, so bad, man. So bad. He, Poor he, guy. I kind of thought, thought the same thing. She just, like, pokes her head out, like, over, like, the... The ceiling is like, wait, no, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like way too late for that, man. But yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, you can't ask for like a better uh last segment, man. I don't think in this movie, you know. Uh just the way the sequence of events plays out, like the way the plan is thwarted and stuff, and just how oh man, just how much you feel for Veronica, bro. She went through it. That shit sucks. She's gonna be traumatized for the rest of her life. I like that it shows more of her point of view than than Seth's. 
like although we are seeing like Seth's point of view like Cronenberg really focused on uh how Ronnie reacts to the situation it's interesting Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, it's it's quiet uh it's quite Uh, interesting I mean I think that's what makes the last scene so uh emotionally jarring man I'm not gonna lie to you bro like toward the end when he's like after he's after Stathis shoots the cable because Seth is trying to merge him, the baby, and her into one body, which mm-hmm. I don't know why you just wouldn't use Stathis, even though he's missing a hand, and then try to get a hand and a foot later. <laughs> like, just um, use a, a, a dude, use a man. It's probably easier. I think he was hoping that the DNA from his child would be more mm-hmm. similar from like a, like uh, a very I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. cellular level. I think that's why he was hoping that uh it would work between the three no uh, yeah that makes sense but yeah um, yeah but, uh-huh. i know what you, i know what you mean yeah but that's either what I'm saying, way like, it didn't work oh yeah <laughs> wait what what what, what? Uh, his attempt to 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 fuse oh it didn't work three. out yeah. yeah yeah but that's what i'm saying uh i lost my train of thought but it's okay because yeah so staff is like what's the uh, the chance right by shooting the cable leading from one pod to the other and uh, I think that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It makes the scene that much more drawing, right? Because at the end, I'm not going to lie, bro. When she and when he's begging her to kill him after he's merged with one of the telepods, he's like putting the gun to his head. I almost caught myself crying a little bit, man. Bro, it's, you feel it's, really bad for us. Uh, dude, Seth. it's you really do, man. It's it's a fucking heavy scene man this like if it was Stathis that was the scientist and he was a dick the whole time like that i would not feel bad but seth was not a dick that's the thing no he wasn't it was like everything that happened to him was out of his control which is so sad man you know it's yeah it's sad like yeah he which is kind of what you see with people with addiction right like at first it's in at first they can control it, but that's like the whole point of addiction is that you are later unable to control and everything becomes more like impulsive. And, uh, yeah, dude, that was, uh, that was a heavy hitting ending and there's no, like it cuts right to the end credits. Like it ends with Ronnie just like sobbing. Yeah. And it cuts right to the end credits and you're just like, there's no like nine months later and the baby's born. There's no like uh, like Seth is comforting her or anything like that. Like it's just she kills her lover and then just fucking lets it Moves go. On. Yeah, fucking yeah. Horrible man. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good movie to watch if you want to be left feeling horrible about yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> go ahead and give it a watch, guys. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it is a great movie, obviously. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's a it's a great movie. It's one that that needs to be watched. Um if you want to call yourself a horror fan. Yeah, so uh what do you think? You wanna hit uh favorite scenes if you have one? Oh shit, man. I mean, assuming uh, we've discussed everything you think we need to discuss is what I'm asking. Yeah. Uh you wanna go first? Not really, but I will if you want me to. Yeah, you go first. Fuck. Okay. Uh, honestly, 
I feel like it's not really like a big scene in terms of like practical effects or anything really, but it's more like the meaning of the scene, I guess. It's when she's watching him like do all this crazy working out and shit. He's like swinging on the pipes and stuff. And she's just like in total shock. Like you see it on her face. It's just, I don't know. It was a really interesting scene because here he is doing all this crazy shit that he couldn't do two days ago. And she's just like, oh, okay. But like, (laughs) yeah, it's like really indicative of his like, that to me, that's like, that's the uh, apex of like his transformation. That's like the focal point of it. I don't know if apex is the right word. Maybe summit. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, Like, so that's, uh, it's a crucial scene is what I mean. It's like when it he's is. when he's feeling comfortable enough to be like, okay, this is me now. I can do all this crazy workout shit and start a Zumba class or whatever, you know? I love that there's just like a perfectly placed uh, bar in his home for him to like perform his acrobatic skills. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I was watching like Dirty Dancing, but uh, yeah, dude, that was yeah, that was a uh, that was a good scene and, and a, a light scene too, like um, which is nice. Uh, mine like although like there's so many good practical effects like i don't know i really liked there's like one scene where like the story's progressing between the two and they seem to be falling like further in love and like he's out like uh like putting a necklace around her and uh and they're out like having coffee and stuff and it just like seemed like very organic like just like these small but meaningful moments between the two and i think that was necessary to like set that up to make you really feel for when everything falls apart um oh. it's also funny when he's like pouring like the sugar he's just like he's like he's manic like he's so like energetic and lively and just like he won't stop rambling and like he's pouring sugar like into his coffee and yeah you take coffee with your sugar yeah yeah it just felt like such like a real moment between the two um yeah so yeah so i guess that would like besides like all like the like the cool like creature feature uh the creature moments and that would probably be like my favorite scene between the two yeah, that scene is uh, very important, too, with the necklace because it makes you think for a second, like, oh, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You would be wrong. <laughs> you would be wrong to think that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. Is there, uh, is there anything else you want to add to this before we give our ratings? Um, nah, man, I think we pretty much covered pretty much everything like we said it's not a very long movie it's not it's a not. very uh complicated movie in a lot of ways you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think we pretty much covered it you think uh you want to go first with the rating uh yeah yeah definitely man um like i have said this is a movie that you do need to see if you want to call yourself a horror fan um, I feel like this may be, I don't know if I want to say it's Cronenberg's, um, best work. It by most certainly could be, but it, I guess in terms of like the awards it won, you would say it's, it's, it's up there. It's at least one of the most known, like I've, I've known, I saw the fly when I was younger, um, it's always one of those movies that's just the same like with the thing the fly i've always just kind of put the two together for some reason yeah um that's fair yeah they there's a 
there's great development between the characters and they do it in a short period of time where like you really feel for uh, Jeff Goldblum's character as he's like succumbing to his illness. Mm. If I had to give this a rating, which I do because I have to give this a rating. um, I would say a... Eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, this isn't okay. this is an eight and a half for me. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't really have any complaints about it. It's it's a great movie. Um, there's nothing like I would particularly change about it, but there's not really anything that I can say was. I guess like a unique about it. I don't know. I don't know. It was, I'm going to, I'm going to quit rambling because uh, I want you to give your rating. Cause there was, it, this movie is unique. It is unique, but um, I think I'm going to stick with like my eight and a half for this. Okay. That's fair. What about you? Um, I'm rocking it at like a nine where all things considered, I can't give it the uh, seal of 10 out of 10 approval. No, no, you can't. You got to save those like we've talked about. Right, right. But it is like really, really, really fucking close, man. It is. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are you thinking? Uh... So uh, <laughs> in our haste to record this movie, we, and we'll just say it out loud, we've been, I feel like we've been sitting here rambling because we're trying to figure out what to do. We forgot to pick a movie for our next episode. Right. So, so uh, <laughs> what do you say we, do you want to pick like another classic? Could we make it a surprise? We could just make it a surprise. That's actually a great idea since we're yeah. unprepared. Let's turn since it into we... a surprise. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is going to be a surprise. You guys aren't going to know what we're reviewing for our next episode. All right. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense considering this is our first uh, remote episode we'll just we'll throw the surprise <laughs> movie in there too yeah okay. yeah man um yeah yeah so what do you say at this time uh we would just like to say that if you like our show please give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts, spotify or any other podcast uh directory which a couple of you have already and we most certainly appreciate it. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but it only takes a second and it really helps spread the word about our show. Um, if you'd like, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We also have a website and we'll post the link in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to reach out to us with any requests and or comments that you may have from this episode or any previous episode. Once again, thanks for listening. And, uh, We'll see you later, Threadheads. Later.